0: Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. We have a wonderful returning guest. We have Dr. Mandy Swindon in the house. She is a naturopath and I'm so excited to have her back yet again. And today we are going to be talking about bodybuilding. Is it healthy? How much work does it take? And as a female athlete, how does it affect your hormones? So please join me in welcoming back to the show, Dr. Mandy. Welcome back, Dr. Mandy. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk about this today. This is my heart. (laughs) I'm I'm really excited
1: to talk about this as well. I think it's a topic that comes up quite a bit. Once people know you've done a competition, they're like, oh, I want to do one maybe. Like, I've been thinking about it. Like, what did you do? Did you have a coach? Did you not? Did you do more than one? Like, all these questions.
0: So, yeah. Let's dive in. So I think that that's kind of a great spot to start. As soon as people find out that you compete, they immediately want to see pictures, they immediately want to know who your coach was, and they immediately want to know what your diet was. Can you speak a little bit about that? I know we're both former figure competitors, so let's talk uh-huh. about. Um, yeah,
1: so that bodybuilding had never been on my radar before, and I was just hanging out with a few of my friends, and one of them was like, "Oh, like you should do a bodybuilding competition," and I was like, "No, I like cookies way too much to do
0: that." <laughs> like, you, know. you and me both, for sure.
1: <laughs> and um so one of the girls in the conversation had or two of them actually had done competitions before and they're like yeah like it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun and like you're already pretty lean like I don't think it'd be so much work for you my one friend's like and you have those like flirty eyes when you're on stage you can just like (laughs) I flirt with the judges I don't know if that's what they're judging you on but anyways I ended up deciding to do it and I just coached myself so have done two bodybuilding competitions and I coached myself for both of them I did get a posing coach for the second one but as far as like workouts nutrition I did all of that myself which I don't know if I were to another one I don't know if I would go that route again um like yes I have the knowledge uh well I mean for some of it I had to learn as I go because as you know bodybuilding isn't just dieting like it's mm-hmm. what you're Especially when you're getting to the end and like water and salt balance like it gets really scientific and um obviously like i love science and i'm able to read things and apply them but when you are the competitor and like just so depleted that might not be something you want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> so those final weeks and final days um but nevertheless i think it was it was fun for me from a nerd perspective to just like really apply all of this science and see so visually how um how you can like manipulate your hormones in a way to make your body look a certain way like manipulate your diet and exercise to attain a specific look and i've had a few discussions, I won't call them arguments with people about whether bodybuilding is a sport or not. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's not like, I didn't feel, um, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've played many sports and I don't like this one is it's a beauty pageant. Like that's what it is. (laughs) It's a beauty pageant for fitness girls and guys. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's my, I guess, summary of when people ask me, Like, who is your coach? Why did you do it? That's what I say. (laughs) Coach myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's super interesting. And I just want to, I want to touch on this a little bit because there are a lot of people out there who are claiming that they're coaches and they're claiming that they, you know, help people to achieve these great results in bodybuilding and competitions. And a lot of them are handing out cookie cutter plans. A lot of them don't understand how the female body works, how hormones work. And I just I just wanna to touch on this a little bit because this is something that I experienced. And I mean, I did both of my competitions, well, all of my, I did five. All of them I've done naturally and uh, like that was apparently my first mistake because if you're gonna <laughs> dial yourself in that lean and be that lean for an extended period of time, like in my in my case in 2014, I did novice provincials and nationals all in a month's time. So to stay hyper depleted, I know that was the look. <laughs> to stay like basically <laughs> hyper depleted for a month, five weeks plus be on this restricted caloric intake like it was so detrimental and then what happened afterwards was the coach just dropped me oh just go back to your plan from two weeks before the show and I was like what what like I have to go back to eating chicken and green beans for how long do I have to do this like this is just not working for me like I'm exhausted like I can't function I'm not sleeping like and it just totally destroyed my system now part of that was my own choice because nobody forced me to do it but I also didn't do my research. And I, like, I just encourage each and every one of you to do your research on who your coach is and who you're selecting as your coach. Like do they have any knowledge about hormones like Dr. Mandy does? Like you have been like critical in my recovery from this. And like, I'm still recovering from this and it's been seven years.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big misunderstanding. It's like, it's not like you just work your butt off, do the show and then that's it. You can go back to normal ways of living. Like absolutely not. Like you will mess up your hormone. I mean, you're you're obviously um creating some sort of hormone issues in the process. And you have to like know that you're signing up for that. Like you're going to get down to an unhealthy body fat percentage. And if you're okay with that for the for you know a few weeks or however long it is um and it will affect some women more than others and in different ways which we can talk about that more later um but like just recognize that your hormones are not going to be in a healthy spot and then you can't just like go back to normal and expect your hormones to go back to normal you have to do reverse dieting and that I think is so much harder than the prep of a competition the yeah. reverse dieting <laughs> aspect of it. Um, I agree I don't even think like I'm comfortable ish coaching myself but I do not advertise that I'm a bodybuilding coach by any means like I don't think I am an expert in this area to be coaching other people like I'm an expert of my body and you're an expert of your body and and then you would need someone who is an expert in bodybuilding for females because it's so different mm-hmm. and even breaking it down further what category are you doing because different categories require you to get excessively lean or not as lean like as you know like there's different requirements from whatever category you're doing so if you're doing bikini that might not be as detrimental to your hormones as if you're doing physique where you have to like see striations in your muscle and just get to this not
0: absolutely not natural body fat percentage for a woman or a man yeah yeah it's amazing what it does to your psychology as well. And I would love to touch on that a little bit too, because psychologically, I know for myself, the recovery post show, it took me a good five years to actually realize like, Oh, my body doesn't actually look that bad when it's normal body fat when I'm, you know, between 20 and 22% body fat, but I was Uh so fixated on the aesthetic. I was so fixated on what I look like at the day of the show and that's not maintainable. And I know people hear this all the time. They're like, "Oh yeah, I want to I want to do a competition because I want to look good and I want to look lean." You know those people that you see on Instagram? They don't always look like that. They take like a thousand yeah. photos to try and get one good photo with good lighting and one angle. And like some those people get paid to look like that too a lot of them. Like it's just it's just not something that's like maintainable and livable. Like if you want to enjoy your life, you're going to want to eat a cookie every now and again and those <laughs> people are probably not eating cookies. Yeah, well and i mean the
1: like instagram yes you can photoshop, you can do all these things even if you haven't photoshopped like those models know how to get photo shoot ready. You know, they can do what they would normally do the week before a bodybuilding competition. They can do that before a photo shoot as well. That's not something you would do all the time. You know, that like dehydration, like getting water in your muscles, but no water between your skin and your muscles so that you can see all the definition, a spray tan, like all of these things can make you visually look really, really lean, but you're not going to be doing those things all the time every day. Like day. You're not going to walk around looking like that. And I mean, some very few, but some women can, like they can be a lower body fat percentage and still maintain regular um, menstrual cycles, regular ovulation. But I don't like that's not the norm. Most women need to be around like 20, 22% body fat. Um, Like the, uh, the lowest I've seen any of my patients be able to go and still have regular periods is 12%. And that's rare. Whereas a competition, like you're getting down to like
0: 5%. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy. And I think that's, I think that's the stigma around the psychology part. Like people just think, Oh, well, I'm just doing this to look good. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, if that's the only reason why you're doing this, then there's something lacking for sure. But also just to remember that psychologically there are, there are some repercussions sometimes and if you already have existing conditions if you already have underlying conditions for example if you're an anxious person typically or if you're typically someone who deals with depression it may or may not amplify that because of the fact that your body is in a state of starvation and because of the fact that your hormones are not able to operate at their optimal level can you speak a little bit about that dr Penny? Yeah, so basically when you put yourself in
1: as a female, um, like any sort of caloric deficit, even if you were overweight and you needed to lose weight and you put yourself in a caloric deficit, you can still lose your period or stop ovulating in that um in that instance. So for females, it's really important that we do small caloric deficits. And um in an ideal world, we would only be in a caloric deficit in the first half of our cycle. So like menstrual, follicular phase, um, ovulation, but in that luteal phase, we don't want to be in a caloric deficit. Um, And so when we're not doing, like when we're constantly in a caloric deficit, we're going to stop ovulating for sure, because our body is like, okay, like we don't have fuel coming in, how like how are we going to make a baby when we can't even maintain our own our own uh, physiological processes? So that's going to be step one, like you'll stop ovulating. So you may continue to have a regular period, a regular bleed every month, um, but probably not ovulating. And of course you can track this. And then once you get even lower, stop having a period at some point. And in the female athlete world, we're so used to hearing that, losing your period is, is a normal part of being an athlete. And it's not. And I mean, this is a different bodybuilding is a whole other realm. I think when it comes to losing your period and that relative energy, um, deficit, because that's what you're going for. Like, you know, that's going to happen. And it's almost like you, if you haven't lost your period, you didn't get lean enough. (laughs) think. And I don't know, like maybe there is a way to do it without losing your period. Like I know for myself, I like basically lost my period instantly when I started dieting down. Um, It takes a lot of work. Like for, for me to have a regular period, I have to do all of the things that's, I know everyone is a little bit different. Like when their body's in a state of stress, what happens? Maybe they can't sleep, maybe it affects their digestion maybe it affects their period for me, everything's okay, except I lose my period instantly. So different for everyone, but that's how it is for, for me. Um, if I were to do another bodybuilding competition, I would give myself so much time. I would only do a little caloric deficit. Like when I say little, I mean like 250 calories which is nothing like you'd have to be measuring everything like so precise and only in the first half of my cycle and like just give myself lots of time and see how long it would take me to get lean enough to compete um but yeah that's basically what's going on with your hormones is your body just stops it's not a priority to do those reproductive processes. So you lose, stop ovulating, lose your period. And and essentially like you're not, if we were to do blood work, um, estrogen, progesterone would be really low. Same, um, depending on any underlying conditions, we could test your, the hormones that come from your brain. So FSH and LH, they would probably be different depending on your predisposition. Like if you've had a history of PCOS, we might see that LH high and the be a little bit lower um, if you have hypothalic amen- amenorrhea ha or functional ha that would be a different kind of hormone picture as well and and that's
0: more i would say that one is a little bit more common in the bodybuilding world mm, interesting and how does that affect people psychologically
1: when they lose their period
0: when they're competing <laughs>
1: Well, from a hormone perspective, like these hormones, especially progesterone, it's an it's an anxiolytic hormone. That means it's calming. If we aren't making enough, we're going to feel really anxious. And we don't make progesterone if we don't ovulate. Mm. Um, I think I've mentioned before on, on previous podcasts of yours, <laughs> but yes. that hormone in the, our we have estrogen receptors in our brain as well. So either of those hormones when we're not making them, we're not gonna feel like ourselves. We're gonna feel anxious for one and probably depressed. Um, but I mean, this, like, there's so many more layers to the psychology of, of doing the bodybuilding competition, because as you mentioned, like you get used to seeing yourself that lean and the size that isn't healthy and it's not normal for you to be that size. Um, and then, so when you do get to a healthy weight, that is still very, you know, you probably look great at that size as well, but in your head, you're like, wow, I'm giant (laughs) compared to what I was before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went through that too. Like, I remember after my first competition, I tried to do a bit of reverse dieting, but it's so hard because your hormones are just like, feed me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and uh, and the, so for me, like that combined with this um, really intense pharmacology exam that I had to study for and I just started a business. So it was like my stress levels were through the roof. So I was like, okay, like, I can, like reverse dieting is not my priority right now. I'm just going to like try to eat real food and focus on studying running my business, uh, coaching, as coaching crossed it at the time as well. <laughs> and so that's what my focus was. And, and I don't think I gained weight back in like hyperspeed or anything like that. But I did gain w- like more weight than I had weighed before I started prep. Mm-hmm. Only a few pounds, but still, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm giant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and like looking at pictures, like you can't see every single muscle. So you're like, "Oh, <laughs> like yeah. my God, percentage is so high." Right. Um, yeah. So I really had to be like, "Okay, like this." especially doing my career like i am a leader in health like if i'm trying to be set an example for people of what healthy looks like it's not bodybuilding Mm -hmm. it's not that lean like that is not healthy and that's one of my pet peeves about it is like we see these pictures on instagram or social media or magazines or whatever as like this person is so healthy like this bodybuilder is so healthy and no they are not, (laughs) show me their labs, let's talk about their hormones, like, they're not healthy, and uh, when I was doing my competitions, that was one thing I tried to share, it's like, I know I am getting to an unhealthy body fat percentage, but, like, that's part of the competition, like, and I've chose to do this, Um, hopefully, my hormones will only be in, like, not a good place for a short period of time, was not the case but that was the goal that was what i was going for like hopefully i'm not in a weird hormone place for months on end hopefully it's only a couple weeks that was not the case for me um but i was clear about it like this isn't healthy like please don't do this don't think that i'm doing this for my health i'm doing this for a competition
0: competition yeah yeah Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can, I can say it from my experience as well, like the, the psychological warfare that I inflicted on myself when I watched the scale move. So I did gain weight at hyper speed because I didn't have the proper support. I didn't have the proper encouragement and I didn't have the proper knowledge of how to do reverse dieting. Because like I said, the coach that I had was just like, go back to your plan from two weeks prior to your water down. And I was like, I'm not eating that way. <laughs> like I just, and I couldn't. And then at the same thing, like my body just took over and it did what it always has done. And it just like, I just ate, I just went back to eating normally. And I went, my stage weight was like 126 or 128 pounds, which is like super tiny for me. Cause I, I rock about 168 pounds regularly. And I shot up to 192 pounds in less than five weeks. And I had edema. I was like, I couldn't sleep. I had horrible digestion. My skin broke out all over the place. Like I, like I was binge eating protein bars because I was just so hungry all the time. I was like, what is wrong? Like I'm, I just ate. Like why am I eating nine protein bars? And like that was just my body was just freaking out inside. And I, again, didn't have anybody to really encourage me and like, Hey, Rochelle, we should probably talk about this. But like you said, Dr. Maddie, reverse dieting is the hardest part. Like I would rather not do the competition than, you know, like I would rather skip the whole thing than ever do a reverse diet again. Cause it was just so like, you work so long and so hard. Like I started in November of 2013, like the 1st of November in 2013. And I went all the way to June. So I had a long prep which was amazing, which is why I hit novice provincials and nationals in such a short time because I qualified for each one. But at the same time, like what, at what cost? Like, what did it cost me in my system? Like I still actually, I even had a period at the show. Like it wasn't a real one, I had one. (laughs) I know I had one because I was like, oh, like this is the last thing I want to be dealing with on top of show day. And yeah, my body was just like done. And that, I think that's part of the reason why it has taken me so long to recover. And it's not to say that everybody goes through these horrific experiences, but it's like, this was just my experience. And when people are like, Oh, I really want to compete. I'm, I'm, I really want to look like that. I just want to try it. And I'm like, that's great, but maybe don't try it with the, the intent to compete, try it with the intent to challenge yourself. How far can I push my body and still maintain my health? How far Mm -hmm. can I push my body and still maintain my hormones? What do you think of something like that
1: yeah well just like that your story your experience what a testament to how powerful hormones are like oh. you not and I know that feeling I know being like I'm so hungry I just ate like what the heck is going on and it's just it's your hormones <laughs> Yep. you can't you can't mess with that <laughs> There's <laughs> no You're so denying your so yeah. strong strong uh, hunger hormones so that just shows how powerful they actually are um, and so when we can like actually support our hormones and utilize them to our advantage that's the type of power we're tapping into mm-hmm. so that can be a little glimpse um, about that but yeah I would say when people uh, want to do a show for the only the aesthetics and like you're doing it for the wrong reasons and like don't like if that's your only reason don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you think like nutrition is really cool and like you have a a really strong grasp of it if you think if you love working out and that's that part's going to be fun for you um if you have a really good understanding of physiology and like water and salt balance like even if you have a coach I think you really need to understand these concepts and um and and just like how Knowing your body as well. I think that's another really important piece. Like how well do you know your body? How well do you pay attention? Because so many people are very disconnected from their bodies. And I, I see this quite often in my practice. Not so much with uh, high level athletes, but everyone else. I'm asking them questions like just simple ones like, oh, how are your bowel movements? How is your sleep? What do you eat every day? And they just like, don't know. I'm like, what? Like, do you not pay attention (laughs) to your body? Like you are supposed to know your body better than anyone else. Um, So yeah, I think if you're gonna do a show, it's gotta be for the right reasons. And, and not just like one reason. You need to have multiple because you're going to need all of the motivation (laughs) possible. Um, Especially, you know, the last last month. Um, I think another thing that people don't necessarily know they're getting into when they sign up for a bodybuilding competition is the effect on your social life. Um, So I made it a point to do my absolute best not to miss social events, which was so hard (laughs) because, you know, when you're dieting and just like, there's always treats or food of some sort at social events. And even if it's healthy food, it's still not weighed and measured. So you can't eat it. <laughs> and, and like you're hungry and hangry, I should say. Yes. Um, it was tough, you. But I tried my absolute hardest to not miss social events and I did a good job, but wow, it took so much willpower. So I think if you're, that's something you need to know if you're going to do a bodybuilding competition, it's
0: going to significantly affect your social life. Hmm. And if that doesn't affect it, I'm sure what's going on currently is affecting it. (laughs) Oh yeah. The world world is a social experiment it feels like right now. Okay, so I've been chatting a little bit with a mutual friend of ours, Miss Laura Uh Davies. And she and I have been specifically working together on my hormones and just like how my body shows some like signs that things are working. And we were actually talking about, and you just mentioned it, bowel movements and I think this is so funny because our hormones are directly related to like basically every function in our body and if if they're like say you're not having a proper bowel movement or you have like constant runny poo or something like that like those are things that you need to know and realize and recognize and address like hey this is a sign that something else is going on And so her and I, her and I were talking about it because I began seed cycling again, because I'm just like, I'm at my wits end with trying to figure things out. I'm like, I'm just going to go back to the basics and just like, this is what I'm going to do. And she's been so encouraging for me with that. So I went back to seed cycling and I was, I said to her, she was laughing and I was laughing because this is my story. I'm like, I'm an all or nothing kind of girl in every sense of the phrase. Like I'm either in the bathroom because I got to go right now. And it's like, out or it's like two days and I haven't gone and she's like okay that's a sign that things are or are not working and then I (laughs) I was so excited to message her I was like I'm celebrating I had a normal movement like a real one and she was like your hormones are starting to work I'm like yes (laughs) so I'm just curious can we talk a little bit more about that
1: uh, yeah, I mean, big topic. So let's start by defining what would be normal, because I think a lot of people don't know what a normal bowel movement is. Um, so as far as frequency, we're looking for one, at least one a day. Um, one to three is the normal range, should be well formed and easy to pass. So there shouldn't be this like pain or like, I need to go immediately, or there's going to be a big mess. Um, There shouldn't be straining. So those are not normal. And as far as like the consistency, it should have like a decent girth. It should be like I mentioned, well formed a brown color, there shouldn't be any undigested food, or mucus or blood. (laughs) It's bizarre (laughs) to me what people think is normal, because they've been experiencing it their whole life or just more commonly than a normal bowel movement. Yeah. Um, it should sink slowly. Uh, there shouldn't be any like streaking on the toilet bowl when you flush it. And that is a normal bowel movement. So when we're looking at bowel movements in Correlation to hormone fluctuations as a female, it's quite common to experience a little bit of constipation before your period um, and then get period poops, <laughs> we like to call them. So, just having more, and it's not necessarily diarrhea, but I mean, your poops might be a little bit looser, a little bit softer when you're on your period. Um, and that's just prostaglandins um, that are released to, you know, tr- they t- are trying to target the uterus to release the lining. However, they don't just go to the uterus. They go to your intestines as well and signal like release. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's typically what we see, like when your hormones are in a good place that that could happen, like a little bit of constipation, um, that late luteal phase, like the week before your period, sometimes period poop. So we don't want either of those to be exaggerated, you know, like you shouldn't be actually constipated. You shouldn't be straining during your late luteal phase and you shouldn't have diarrhea during your period. Um, and so if that's the case and we need to tweak things a little bit to get your hormones, um, basically not a drastic drop because we know, and and we've talked about this on previous podcasts in that luteal phase, like your hormones are at their highest and they drop. And that drop is what signals your body to release the lining. Um, And so we don't want that to be a drastic roller coaster. We want more of a gradual drop and a gradual
0: build. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Period poops. (laughs) (laughs) The more we discuss this, the more we communicate about this the more awareness it brings and I like I just feel like this is a really big golden nugget for people if they will um, to to address because you're right like there shouldn't be undigested food in there there shouldn't be blood or mucus it shouldn't be a completely loose stool that just like you know it's like you're peeing out your butthole like it shouldn't be like that it should be like you said well-formed like a sausage kind of thing and you know yeah and it also as far as I understand it shouldn't be like really awful smelling like if it if it's like very pungent like there's something else going on so you can have a well-formed yeah. stool but if you're really gassy if you have really loud farts if you have really smelly farts like that is all related to something else that's going on
1: yeah that um has a lot to do with your gut microbiome um so we have you know a microbiome in our gi tract we also have our vaginal microbiome. And so when these bacteria are uh, like well-balanced, good and bad, then you're not going to have super smelly farts or poops. Um, so that's, that's something that would, and it does, again, affects our hormones. So we have gut bacteria that can recycle estrogen. So everything's connected and it makes it a little bit complicated, but it also makes it so interesting and it makes the human body amazing, like how all of these things play in together. I think it's really interesting and and just makes me not understand how we can figure out anything in in a five-minute appointment.
0: Yeah, yes. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Mm -hmm. I think this is also super interesting because it does tie into bodybuilding as well, because a lot of people experience bowel movement changes some people have improved <laughs> bowel movement and some people have decreased bowel movement when they're competing so that would likely have something to do with their hormones as well
1: um, yes of, like of course but then also that gut microbiome. when we put ourselves in a caloric deficit it's it's quite anti-inflammatory which is really good it's one of the most powerfully anti-inflammatory things, but it doesn't need to be a large caloric deficit to achieve that result. It can be a small caloric deficit, um, but if, and then too, like you're eating different foods, right? Like you're not eating a, lot, or barely any fat, and very lean proteins lots of fiber so it's going to change your microbiome anytime you eat it's feeding that microbiome so you can eat things that promote the growth of the good bacteria in your gut or you can eat things that promote the bad bacteria in your gut and so when you're eating different things it's going to change that ratio in various ways Um, and even if it's healthy food that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be doing you eventually. like benefits to your microbiome. We all have very different microbiomes. Um, To know exactly what yours is like, that would involve a stool test Um, and, and even genetic testing. Like there's a genetic component to this as well. Um, but some, depending on your specific microbiome, like you may not do well with broccoli and like, that's such a staple bodybuilding food Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, um, Mm -hmm. or maybe you're deficient in stomach acid and you're not breaking down your food properly. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot like that's a huge topic talking about digestion like there's obviously like many different components to our GI tract and there's many things that can affect it hormones is one of them obviously what we're eating but also how
0: we're eating mm-hmm. Ooh, cruciferous vegetables and I are friends off I like them but they just don't like me back oh <laughs> <Aww.
1: laughs> yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's... they're so great at ex-
0: estrogen detoxification <laughs> I know and my body's just like Nope, not having that. Nope, nope, no, thank you. And I'm like, oh. well, at least you know, that. <laughs> right? I'm like, I just want to enjoy the broccolini and the asparagus and whatever, and the cauliflower pizza, mm. and no, that's just not happening. <laughs> that's okay. Well, I'm glad you figured that out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Instead well, I mean, like,
1: well, it's a healthy food. I should eat it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, because like you mentioned, inflammation is kind of a thing that happens. So like when we work out, we create inflammation in the, in the muscles and in the joints, correct? Yes. Sure. Yeah. And then also when we eat certain foods, if we're sensitive to them, it can create unnecessary inflammation in yeah. the rest of our body. So it can show up in your skin, it can show up in your joints, it can show up in your digestion, it can show up in your eyes and in your mouth, I believe. Oh, yeah. And symptoms anywhere
1: really with food sensitivities, that's not an allergy, it's an IgG reaction. So yeah,
0: inflammation results so interesting wow I'm like I could ask so many more questions about. (laughs) is there anything else that you wanted to share about bodybuilding was there anything else that was on your heart that you wanted to share about it I
1: just wanted to discuss like the (laughs) the spray tan and more just for entertainment purposes because come on they're hilarious you get hosed down with spray tan I remember my first competition like obviously you're just well there's tents lined up to give you your listeners a visual so there's these tents lined up and just people spray tanning and you just go in the tent like guys girls there's no separation obviously like butt naked butt ass naked (laughs) in these Mm -hmm. tents Getting hosed down with spray tan, and it is just this bizarre experience. I remember my first one the spray tanner is like doing her thing, and then she's like, Okay, like turn around doing the backside. She's like, Okay, bend over, <laughs> like you know, naked, bent over, getting sp- hosed with spray tan. Like, what
0: did I sign up for? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, there's a little bit my... of shock that happens with that for yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it just makes you look so different.
0: Oh <laughs> my gosh.
1: That like cake on spray tan. But yeah, so that's a fun experience that people who want to do bodybuilding competitions should be warned of. Um, and then I did want to briefly talk about posing because damn, posing, it should not be underestimated. Like that is hard work mm-hmm and yeah it just it you know good bodybuilders make it look so natural and easy and you're smiling the whole time but it's so tiring it feels awkward
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> the positions you put yourself in
1: all especially, in the more,
0: especially the more depleted you get the harder it is to get your body into those positions without having like a muscle cramp or a muscle spasm or like if you have any asymmetries, like it's really amplified when you go into those positions and it's like, oh, I should work on that hamstring a little more. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm
1: so glad I hired a posing coach for my second one. Like it made it it made gave me accountability to practice posing. Um, and I think that it was really good skill to learn, even when you're just like taking pictures with your friends to like know, how to put your body in certain positions to make it look certain ways. Like I, I really liked that part of it. Um, but it was good to have a coach being like, Oh, like, cause symmetry is so important. You know, if you're going to do a bodybuilding competition, you want to do well. Um, so (laughs) symmetry is really important. And she'd be like, Oh, you're, your one shoulder is like sitting so much further down. And for me it wasn't a muscle imbalance. It was just like one was injured and one wasn't. And so like I had to like focus like, okay, lift this shoulder so much higher than this one. It felt I felt so asymmetrical, but then visually it looked
0: symmetrical. Oh, that's so interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was- a cool experience I think that was
0: (laughs) yeah posing is like a whole other workout like I feel like if people spent as much time even half of the time that it takes them to work out say you're doing an hour workout a day six days a week and taking one day rest if you did half an hour of posing every single day along with your workout like that I know it sounds like a crazy amount but like just the way that you're so able to be fluid in your transitions and I'm like doing I'm like doing the pose in my head (laughs) A the lot. Yeah, yeah. No, like the side, like the side profile pose. I'm like, side profiling, side. Pro- you know what I mean? Like quarter turn to the right, and then.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do a competition, it's so important. I remember my first one, seeing girls and being like, "Wow, like I'm for sure leaner than them, and like have bigger muscles." But then the way they posed, it was just like boom, like muscle, like
0: lean yes. muscle. How? What? Right. And honestly, that's what it's all about. Like there, and there's different ways to make your muscles pop, which is why when you see those people on social media, those paid models, there's a reason why they look the way they look because they know how to make those muscles pop because they've practiced it and they've worked with coaches and they've posed for hours like, okay, no, no, no. now I've hit it. And then once <laughs> they hit it, they know, okay, I have to reinforce this neural pathway so that I constantly hit this pose every single time yeah yeah it's
1: i like those posts on social media that's like oh here's me like a you know gorgeous picture looking jacked and lean and then here's me
0: with bad posture it's like yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah that's so versus real yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah i think too i think a lot of us get hung up on what we see on social media because those are the things that actually people buy into like people buy into that like when they see that you're you know this shredded six-pack rockin mama they're going to be like yes I want to I want to know everything about her like I want to work with her like sign me up sign me up sign me up there's no critical thinking it's all based on the visual interest and the visual aid of like oh this person's done this I can do this and I think I think it's helpful but I also think it doesn't necessarily make the decision out of logic because you're not looking into what the person is really about what are their credentials and I think that's something yeah. that's kind of fallen to the wayside you yeah there's there's what your no credentials line. are anymore
1: for sure like and there there's a line like I think if you're gonna use so like I do this like I post pictures of my six pack and like yeah. i proud of it but it's different obviously it's different now than bodybuilding um stage of my life Um, but I that's just social media like we that's what it's for right it's for visuals and you can be successful on social media however you want to define that from just posting information and like no pictures of yourself or you can do just pictures of yourself or you can do a mix of both Uh, personally I like to do a mix of both and it is an important aspect of marketing for my business. So I'm not gonna say like, oh, I never do that. And I never like post pictures where I'm like posing in a way to make myself look more fit. Like, of course I am, (laughs) but I'm not um, photoshopping those or uh, like, you know, I feel like I'm being honest. This is how I'm eating. This is, these are my workouts this is how dedicated I am to this. Like, this is the level of work it takes to obtain this. And if you're willing to do that, cool. If you're not, then maybe you're okay with being, you know, having a little extra five pounds. Like, that's fine too.
0: We're
1: striving for health
0: here. (laughs) Yeah. It's health over wealth and health over beauty, because I feel like when people are healthy, they just radiate that beauty so much more than people who are unhealthy and like, because you can tell, like when you look at someone who's like struggling with anxiety or depression or, you know, hormonal imbalances, like you can just tell that there's something that's just like missing for them or something is just off. Mm -hmm. Like they may aesthetically be, you know, super beautiful and have like, you know, the best skin and hair and eyes and whatever, but it's like, Sometimes you can just tell that there's just something that's just missing for them. And I think that this is like the missing piece is connecting, like you said, connecting your mind and your body. So you are so aware of what is going on inside your body. So that way you know how many times a day you're having a bowel movement. That way you know if you're ovulating or not. And that way you know if, you know, if everything else is functioning as it should, because you need to be an expert on your body if you're gonna be doing anything, anything athletic as far as I'm concerned just living life <laughs> and enjoying your life. Yeah. Having that joy. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Mandy, as we wrap up, can you share with us, how can people get in touch with you and do you have any upcoming programs? Yes. So there's always Instagram, which I have a love
1: hate with right now, but that's, that is where I'm posting consistently. So it's uh, at Dr. Mandy underscore ND. And is there an underscroll? Yeah, there's an underscroll. Like, wait, is that my handle? Yeah. Um, my website is DrMandynd.com. Um, But I think Instagram is probably the, the best place to go first. And I am, so I was going to run my program in September, but now we've pushed it back to November 22nd is when we're launching. So if you connect with me on Instagram, you will see all the updates from that. I also have a free guide. It's called the, um, what is it called? The the Optimized (laughs) Female Guide guide to Optimized Performance. It's a mouthful, that one. Anyways, if you download that, the link is in my Instagram bio, then you'll be on my email list. And that is also where you can get updates more directly from me and what I'm doing. So my program is called the Hormone Performance Connection. So a lot of the things that we talked about today, we go Deep, really deep dive in the program. It's 12 weeks long every Monday evening on Zoom. So, obviously, if you can't make the live calls, we send out the recordings. And we talk all things hormones, all things performance, and various types of sports. So, I run it with my colleague, Dr. Brianna Botsford, who has a strong endurance background, um, which is really nice to blend since I have more of a like power background i would say um and she's a naturopathic doctor as well so we do the course together it's been great we've ran it twice so far so we're really excited to run it a third time and we'll for sure november 22nd it's happening
0: (laughs) Woohoo! awesome and yeah i highly recommend signing up for dr mandy's email list i got that uh females Sorry, I don't remember the name. It was long. <laughs> but I, I I, got a copy of it and I went through it and my mind was blown. I was like, this is so awesome. And it's so convenient having it as a little handheld guide just to remind you of like, "Oh, these are some things to consider. These are some things to look at. These are some things you need to be aware of. It's very well put together. So I highly recommend connecting yeah. them. And it's
1: and not it. very long because I'm not into eBooks.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's condensed information and it's useful information which is exactly what we need yeah yeah okay well it's been wonderful having you back again dr mandy and i look forward to connecting with you again thank you thanks for having me welcome thanks so much for tuning in please don't forget to like and subscribe thank you